Hey, happy Tuesday, everyone, and welcome to the I-5 Corridor's traffic report. We're coming to you a day later, thanks to the holiday. Tyson Alger here in Portland, joined by Shane Hoffman. Shane, you, you kind of are taking the scenic route back from Atlanta, aren't you? Yeah, I stopped by Michigan for a few weeks, um, do some work while I'm here, and then get back to Eugene. So I'll actually be more in person for some, uh, some of the Georgia fallout in Oregon camp, I think. Give, give me a quick uh, a quick review of non-football related events in the city of Atlanta. Man, I had a good time. Um, the food was great. The seafood was surprisingly great. Um, you know, I just like the whole seafood? scene. When we, did you get seafood? We uh, so we spent a lot of our time um, near the Brave Stadium because we had gone there the first night. Um, I met up with you and then the next night we went back there because they got a kind of a whole setup there with some bars and restaurants that are all open super late and we just like I was skeptical of the seafood and then someone told me that that's kind of the thing to get hmm. so tried some it was delicious um, and then we hung out down there uh, I feel like yeah it's definitely you have to know where to go there because that was like 20-25 minutes out of downtown but it was quite a good time that that area where where the Braves new stadium is and I can't remember how old it is but maybe it's like three or four seasons old um yeah like it's 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 nowhere near Atlanta it's it's like 30 miles out kind of in the suburbs and that's where the, the media hotel was located but like uh that kind of gave me a little uh encouragement to the thought of like as they've talked about MLB potentially looking at Portland as as a, uh, a viable option, you know they've thrown around maybe like Beaverton or Hillsboro or maybe down in Oregon City as as if, if they couldn't actually fit it in the city here. And uh, I'll admit, like that was that was a cool concept in Atlanta because it, it really it really um, that whole area they developed into basically just like a come out here and like hang out and like shop, eat, play. Like they had like a really big courtyard where they had like the game on like a really big screen TV where people without tickets could come and watch. Um, yeah, I, I, I thought it was really cool for not being in downtown. 100%, yeah. Obviously the Braves are, are one of the better teams in the league right now. And we were there for, I think, back-to-back wins on on Friday and Saturday night. But it was, you're right, people got there early and they stayed super late. I mean, it was still busy at 2, 3 a.m. down there. So I think that model is maybe someone, uh, something that, you know, definitely if, if there was a Portland team, they'd want to try to emulate. And I think you're right, like it could work in like a Beaverton. I, I forgot how much that I like traveling for like these big, kind of big event games. And, and you know, obviously this, this game went very, very, very poorly for Oregon. Um, but even just like, flying out of Portland and having like 80% of the people on the flight being in like Ducks gear. And like, I'm not a Ducks fan. Like I, I try to stay impartial. Obviously uh, I've been doing this long enough where, you know, the, the writing is probably a little bit more organ slanted, but um, it, it just, it just kind of feels fun to like be a part of an event like that. And then just like being in Atlanta and like, just forgetting like, Hey, there's a guy wearing an organ shirt. Oh yeah. Right. The ducks are in town. Like it's, 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 it's pretty fun. Um, and it was <laughs> at the media hotel, Bill Orem, uh, his, uh, his running joke to people were like, Hey, is there a football game going on today? And right, that seemed right. to like, like blow Georgia fans minds. Like, how do you not know there's football today? Yeah. And it was funny. You know, I, I, it's, it's a nice excuse to kind of see some new places. Um, Atlanta was certainly a place that I don't think I would have probably gotten to if it wasn't for something like this, but I would right. totally go back now. Um, so that, that was, that was pretty cool. And, and, you know, I was, I was boarding my flight and I saw a guy in ducks gear and he starts getting shit from some other guy. And then he's talking about the defense. <laughs> and so we start talking about the defense and we talk all the way through the security line. So that was, that was a good time. Um, 
I didn't eat as well as you did, but I did, I did stop at a waffle house, which is just fantastic for breakfast. Uh, like $6 for a bacon, egg and cheese sandwich with like the two slices of really crappy, but delicious, like American cheddar. That's, that's probably going to take a couple, couple years off my life. Um, yeah. <laughs> Thank There's you, definitely Atlanta. a time and place for that kind of those craft singles kind of. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. We're like four minutes in now. Like, do you want to talk about the game? Yeah, um, I've been struggling the last few days to kind of figure out what is worth taking away and what's worth throwing away from the game. Um, you know, I think it was cool because you kind of in your piece you you focused on. Kind of, it was kind of tongue in cheek, and you focused on the big picture and and landing and a little bit of Bo Nix and what happened. And I kind of was able to zoom in on the defense, which was helpful because I thought there was a lot to talk about there, just how kind of porous they looked. But I also thought that that was that Georgia performance and that Georgia team, for me at least, was the best football team, college football team I've seen in person. So so now so now that I've seen the replay about a million times of the six foot seven, 275 pound tight end hurdling, hurdling the dude and stiff arming another dude. And um, yeah, like that, the, the, the sheer physicality of that team, like, I don't even think, like, I think that's even far superior to the last team that I saw like that was like being on the sidelines for the national t title game, Oregon, Ohio state and seeing like Ohio state's just dudes on the field and just going like, Oh my God, like Oregon's going to get wrecked in this game. Uh, Georgia was like that, but like even deeper. I mean, like all of these like top level teams right now um, have so much more talent than even the ones that like 10 years ago did just because it's it's kind of the, the product of where recruiting is going right now. And, um, you know, this is something that I know that like you wanted to write about last week and we didn't quite get to it. But like, yeah, like that's probably one of the deepest tight, tight end rooms ever assembled. And, and that's not even necessarily... Uh, the position that you're talking about with Georgia, you're talking about the defense, or I mean, like even like Stetson Bennett, like looked like a Heisman candidate in that game. Like it was, yeah. it's an and it's an embarrassment of riches. And I just think that Oregon wasn't quite ready for that type of matchup. And I think when things go wrong in that situation, and you're facing a team that probably is going to reach the title game, if not the play, I mean the playoff, if not the title game this year, uh, I just think that it can everything can uh, just get exponentially worse and they'll be okay if that makes sense right yeah i think you forget with all the excitement of a big matchup how bad of a draw that was for oregon i mean they just looked all out of sorts they have, they're trying out so many new things and then meanwhile georgia looked so crisp so on top of it the word execute kept getting thrown around which i hate i think it's an excuse for when your team isn't ready to say that the other team executed better but when you watch it back i mean the, the weirdest thing to me too was I'm so used to seeing these Georgia teams that just bully bully other teams up the middle. They run for 200 yards. You know, they have those tight ends like we talked about. But it wasn't that. It was Stetson looking like an uh, almost an MVP, a Heisman candidate, which I wasn't expecting. Um, and it was these these screens that just gashed the ducks on the outside. They just or uh, you know Georgia played fast. They played quick. Um, the play calling got so much movement going, so much play action. It was almost like how you thought Oregon wanted to play. Right. Um, and meanwhile, Oregon was just so committed to the run, even at the end of the game, which was funny. Uh, you know, I, I was listening to uh, Lanning's uh, Monday night presser, and uh, yeah, they were working on scr uh, stuff on the perimeter like all practice yesterday. <laughs> it's just yeah, they, 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 no they, wonder. They, 
they definitely identified uh, what was getting at them. Actually, like, yeah, the way Georgia won was almost kind of like the way that you, I think that like Mario Cristobal drew stuff up in his head like the last four years of like, we'll just get it on the outside and bulldoze our way to everything. And, and Georgia actually had the do, dudes to do that. Yeah, um, yeah. But, I, I uh, guess, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, 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 go ahead. I just, that's, but that's why I'm struggling is because we've, now we've talked about how good Georgia looked. I thought actually going back on the offense, I, there were some moments that I did like actually those first two drives. I liked some of the play calling and they were moving the ball. It was just those interceptions were so backbreaking. Yeah, they, they were, they were getting, you know, obviously not every play is going to work against Georgia and like, you're going to have stuff that are blown up just based on sheer talent. Like when Kirby smart was saying that we have the more talented players, like he's not lying. Like as, as much as like Jalen red and Johnny Johnson wanted to argue with that online, like Georgia is significantly more talented than Oregon, but like, you know, the ducks were getting like five to six yard gashes, like up the middle. Like I liked, I liked some of the plays from uh, the running backs. Like Whittington was, was like, you know, his first cut was super quick and, and Dillingham did have, you know, was meshing a lot of stuff and a lot of motion and, and stuff that seemed to, you know, it wasn't catching Georgia off guard, but it was effective. And it's just, yeah, those, those two interceptions were on the two worst possible drives that that could have happened on because it was just, it was just backbreaking after that. Yeah. And I wonder, you know, I'm sure Georgia would have adjusted, but I wonder if it wasn't for those interceptions, what the game script would have looked like. Like if, even if Oregon just gets three points on each of those drives, right? right. Like, because they, you know, they, they converted some tough third downs. You know, there's that clip going around of, of Jalen Carter, the, the, the D lineman on Georgia, just demolishing Malasala. Um, but then I've also seen clips of Malasala like pulling as a tackle and just destroying Georgia. Yeah. I actually thought the offensive, the offensive line really held their own. Like, I mean, I know, you know, there was a few times where, Knicks had to scramble, but there wasn't a sack recorded, which is kind of crazy. Um, you know, and, and the same thing happened where, where Oregon got some pressure on Bennett and he just made plays, but I thought that the O-line actually held their own. It, uh, I, I thought it was pretty telling last night. Another thing Lane said, you know, he was, um, you know, Bo's still the guy. Uh, he was complimenting him a little bit, but then he also had had the line of, uh, you don't have to create plays that aren't there for you to make. And, you know, he, he really did like, you know, the, the kind of the quick strike stuff that was getting the offense moving. But, like, yeah, like those two interceptions, I know the first one was an incredible play by the Georgia defensive back. But also, like, Bo saw the, like, Bo should have gotten that throw off. And this is way easier for me to say from our little, you know, vantage point up in the press box. But, like, it seemed like he got that throw off late. And by the time he did, it was going to be kind of a crapshoot play anyways. Uh, yeah, it was the same the, with that one to the one Dakota. The yeah, hospital then, ball he threw Kobe. Oh oh my god. Like I that's another one from like our vantage point. You can just see yeah. see that collision coming. It was like, oh like the fact that he didn't have every rib every rib broken after that one was was frankly amazing. But uh yeah, those were just those were backbreakers and when you're playing a team that's gonna score on every one of their offensive drives, uh it's, it kinda hurts you. Kinda hurts you a little yeah, bit. Yeah, did you do you have any well, I want to go to Oregon State in a second. Do you have any thoughts on just the running back rotation? Because that was one of the more surprising things. Is like, I thought Whittington had some great moves. Um, they started Bucky Irving, who was I honestly thought he might have been the fourth guy, and then he started the Dude, game, I, and then they barely played Cardwell. I I'm I'm not gonna lie. I was like, who is this guy that's starting? Like, and and you know maybe maybe they just assume that because he's so small, he could slip between some of those tackles or whatever. But right, like, right. Uh, I liked Whittington. Like, I I, th I thought that uh, 
uh, Bill was making fun of me because I tweeted that like Whittington's got some good wiggle. Uh, but like, yeah, like he was, he's just, he's slippery. And, um, you know, I, I wasn't super impressed with like what we saw out of Cardwell, but again, we, we barely, we barely saw him. Um, they had dollars yeah, out there I, occasionally. Yeah. I, I, I think dollars will keep finding his way on the field because he's, a, he's pretty all purpose and like, he can, yeah. find, like, you know, he, he's available in the passing game, but, uh, the, yeah. The one I, thing I, I didn't I get was the way they used Cardwell. Like, You'd think he'd be the downhill runner. And then there was one one sequence that made me pretty frustrated just watching where they had a good drive going and then it stalled because they did back-to-back the same plays. They switched the side of it, but they did a, a essentially a wide receiver screen to Cardwell. So he, he lined up you know, on the outside, caught one on the right side of the field, and then the left, and each one got like two yards because it's like – first off, the block was amazing, but he's not a guy with a ton of lateral wiggle. right? He's a, he's a downhill runner. I, I wonder if uh, if you could truth serum Dan Lanning and ask, like, was there any part of you that just didn't want to play a few guys in this game just so they wouldn't get obliterated and you could have them healthy the rest of the year? Like, I don't yeah. know, like running the ball 30 times with my number one running back against, like, one of the best defenses you'll, you'll ever see, like, sounds like it might hurt me the rest of the year. That's a good point. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying this is no, what I they mean... did at all, but, like, that's, that's in my head, I'm like, eh, you know, maybe survival. <laughs> Well, we should mention in that case, um, with injuries, Popo Amavai is out for the year. He didn't play in the, in the George game. It's it's, I think it's more of a bummer just for the kid. That I'm saying the kid. He's probably the same age as me, but just for the player, uh, because he came back for one more season and then it's going to be over now. Than it is for the team because they're really deep there now. That was such a big focus. It's like, okay, why are you adding Jordan Riley and Casey Rogers, and you've got. Um, Taki Tayami and all these guys. Right. Well, it's like, okay, now you have guys that can really easily fill that role. Um, Boise State's not as good as Georgia. Uh, but I fell asleep at like 1 o'clock in the morning in on the East Coast uh, with Oregon State up like 24-0 at the half. <laughs> I guess it wasn't that late by that time. But yeah, like or- Oregon State did the thing that you kind of wanted them get- – you you wanted to see them do like i i don't think this is kind of like the boise state of like uh you know of, of a decade ago that's going to be contending for for new year's six bowls but um this this wasn't kind of like a, a fcs or like bottom feeder team it's a decent program and and oregon state looked like the significantly better team from from start to finish with that one like they had explosive plays uh they they had uh they have some guys that just look like athletes like in, in their receiving core like and and you know musgrave had another big catch at tight end jack coletto uh, st- broke out a 41 yard touchdown run like the, the only real criticism i think you could have of the entire game is uh chance nolan who was great and explosive he did have two interceptions and i think you just got to kind of focus on limiting that going forward but yeah like fantastic start for oregon state yeah i mean and i don't mind when the two interceptions come late in the game when you're up three touchdowns i mean yeah it's not ideal but it's better than backbreaking interceptions early in the game um yeah you mentioned musgrave i'm gonna have a piece about him at some point you're gonna have a piece about coletto at some point i think a lot of just like fun guys on this team and they're really easy to root for i mean also that you know that the the seating capacity was quite limited but the environment on tv at least seemed awesome 
it, it was it was a it was a hell of a lot better than what UCLA had for for their opener at yeah. the Rose Bowl, Joke. where it was like where they said it was twenty thousand people, but it looked like it was. And granted, like the Rose Bowl is a huge place, people. So like twenty thousand, like if they say twenty thousand, it's probably going to look like ten to like eight. Um, yeah, but still, like I don't, five. I don't, I don't think there was, tw- I don't think there was twenty thousand people in that stadium. Yeah, that was pretty, uh, pretty pathetic showing. But no, you know, t- before we move on too much, you know, I, I liked, um, obviously, I liked the defense. I mean, they had, you know, Boise State had a backup quarterback they brought in who's like six six and just like a physical freak and started running the ball pretty well on them, which I don't think they were game planning for at all. Obviously, so they had some sex- success with that. But you know, I don't think it's a stretch to say that Oregon State with their combination combination of, I think, you know, talent and experience could be the best defense in the, in the, in the Pac-12 this year. Well, well, and, and the fact that, like, they created four turnovers in the first half. And, like, yeah, I, I don't remember exactly what the stats were last year, but, like, during, like, the first, like, two years of uh, uh, Smith's tenure at Oregon State, it was just, like, like, this was a team that couldn't create turnovers. And it's, like, they, you know, they didn't have the talent to kind of go drive for drive with everybody. And if you're not creating turnovers, like – you're completely SOL. And, and I think even if you like look back to um, Oregon's 20, the, the first Avalos defense, I believe, like not the most like physically talented defense. I mean, like its best players like Troy Dye, but like it was a group that like just created turnovers and was like very, very. Uh, it makes such a difference. And, yeah. And, and so that's, that's, that's like seeing that made me go like, okay, like or, Oregon State's coming to play. And obviously this is, super early reactions and and they have a huge test this coming week on the road at Fresno state. But if, if, if they can get through that game with a win, like Oregon USC in Corvallis in two weeks could be one, a top 25 matchup, but like two, uh, just a freaking awesome game and kind of a cool environment with, with that stadium reno coming. Yeah. It's a good thing that the I five will have someone there for that one. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, if we'll, we'll see, we'll see how your game stories. I mean, your stories work this week, and maybe, maybe we'll get you that press pass. So. <laughs> now, I was gonna say, um, just just on the on the defense, real quick. I, I went to practice uh, in Corvallis once this summer. I was just busy with some other stuff, so I want to go down there more. But the one day I showed up was a defensive day, and we talked to the cornerbacks coach. We talked to. Ray John Wright, who's a, who's a defensive back, and we talked to yeah, one of their D linemen, I'm forgetting his name now. But they were all talking about how aggressive the defense is going to be and how much more they're going to be attacking the ball. And, like, that's stuff that can kind of be coach speak sometimes. But now it's like maybe there was some merit to it because they looked so aggressive. Um, You think it's too early to crown USC? I mean, yeah, I, <laughs> like, I like they, they a little bit too early. They they looked they looked good in that game. I I just thought it was funny. Uh, Bill Blaschke, who I think is one of the best columnists in the country, um, who actually like puts in the work too. Like I've been at random Oregon US or UCLA basketball games on like a Saturday morning and seeing Blaschke there reporting. Um, but like you know it was it was just basically like USC won sixty four to like thirteen or something like that. But it was against Rice. And it was basically like the column was like USC's back, baby. <laughs> and yeah, it's like this was they were he had a he had a really well written section actually about it, like it, it wasn't the kind of meandering ball that Clay Helton had, and it wasn't he mentioned to other coaches, and it was like it was like a homage to Pete Carroll teams. So it's like all right, like yeah, it, it was sixty six thirteen against Rice. And and like I'm I'm completely willing to allow that like maybe USC is like I think. 
Lincoln Riley is a really good coach, and, and that program obviously has the, the ability to scale up really quickly once things are going well. But again, it's Rice. Like, I, I yeah, they had three. Probably, they had I, three pick sixes. I, I think you can probably pull about as much as that away from that as you can from like Oregon playing Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, and, and I mean the things and, that and looks I, good, we knew were going to look good. Yeah. Uh, one last point that I wanted to make on Oregon Georgia that I I've forgotten is coming back to me now is. Uh, my big takeaway from that game was like, if Oregon gets a Big Ten invite, they have to take it. Like, it's just like the the um, the what's the word I'm looking for? That just the distance between the level of those two programs right now, Oregon and Georgia. Like, seen that in that game, and granted, it's first game, and there's a lot of um, you know factors going around, but like. If Oregon can, cont- if Oregon's making less money in the future than that that gap is right now, like there's just no way they can contend. Like like Kirby Smart was right when he was talking about the more talented roster and the more money you have, the more the better players you're going to have, the better player development you're going to have. Like all those sorts of things. Like if, if if Oregon wants to legitimately continue to contend for national championships or you know playoff or whatever year in year out, um, I think they have to do that. Even with this expanded playoff field. Um, you know, I know there was a lot of chat or chatter like last week about how like the expanded playoff, like that might be the savior of the Pac-12, but um, it's just like, think yeah. about it. Or- Oregon was, was, is ranked 11th or was ranked 11th. Imagine if that's a, if that's a playoff matchup, you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, yeah. And it's just, you know, I, 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 I hate like uh, generalizing the Ducks as like a, a school that like really thrives on like momentum, momentum and brand and like kind of reputation too. But like, if you're the team that just goes out and gets its ass kicked by like 50 points every, you know, like it's just, I, I think Oregon has a lot to lose if it looks bad consistently. You know what I mean? Yeah, because it's it's, I, it's I like the, it's 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 still like the cool cool brand, and it's I think a lot of that has been because they've had success. But like, I just don't think that the the chip kelly model of like you find like one kind of kink in the system and, and really exploit it with you know his offensive like that doesn't work in today's football because you're basically mm-hmm. playing professional teams well the other thing i was going to say is you know maybe not the best thing to say in lieu of this weekend just because you have you know oregon getting demolished and then utah drops a game that was was just a little oh weird my i mean gosh that <laughs> You know, I actually am a fan of, of Anthony Richardson. I think he's a really fun player to watch down in Florida. But that's, I guess that's what happens when you get an NFL-type quarterback in a hostile environment. And then it was, a, it was a weird play on that pick to end the game. But, I mean, again, it's like Utah's number seven. Like, it shouldn't have been that close. And so it's a bad weekend for the Pac-12. But all I was going to say was that despite that, I actually think I saw some good things from the Pac-12 just here and there throughout the weekend. And I saw at least teams that are going to be more exciting and I think are going to be tougher challenges. So whether or not that amounts to national um, rankings and postseason success, it made me more excited to cover these games. Because even like even Arizona, it's got Jaden Delora now. They have two really good yeah. receivers. Um, you know, there's you know, Penix at Washington. Like there's all these guys that I'm just excited to watch now. I, I, yeah, no, I, I actually really agree. And I thought Washington looked good. Um Again, they played Kent State, um, but I think just especially for that team after the season that they had last year and losing to Montana uh, to to start the year, like 
Good start. Good start, Huskies. Way, way to not screw it up quite yet. But yeah, like I, I actually think this could be a fun year than Pac-12. And that kind of comes back down to the conversation of like, you know, if you're this fan base, like what, what are your priorities here? Because like there are the people that can get caught up in the why aren't we competing for playoffs or national titles? Um, but like I, I love the Pac-12 season and, and I, I think it's I think everything has just so quickly discounted like some of like the the non rivalry rivalries in the conference too like like you know like Oregon has history against all these teams and it's fun it's fun to it's fun to you know make fun of the Cougars for cooging it and you know like all those other cliches throughout the throughout the conference so it's an interesting time in college football yeah and I mean let's be real if, if Oregon can you know win almost all of their remaining games and somehow makes it to the postseason or to, to the Pac-12 championship and faces uh, USC or Utah, like that's what everyone wants to see. And that'll be a, a fun game to cover, a fun game to watch. And and I think that's really what I think people were expecting entering the year. And then it was like people within, you know, 14 or so days of the Georgia game start to convince themselves that Oregon's going to be better than that. And let's be real, like it's probably, that was probably a uh, kind of a, a snap reaction that was wrong. Can you imagine if they actually run the table though, and like they grab a playoff spot? Because like, if they go eleven and one, and their one loss is to Georgia, like they should probably be in the playoff. But is as bad as it can, was, can, yeah. But can you imagine like just kind of the national conversation of that one of, of like, yeah. oh great, like, yeah, uh, it's yeah. I don't know. I think I think that loss was just bad enough where it might be enough to actually even if they went out to actually keep them out. Like, I think that's how bad that one was. I know it was the first game, but like if the past few years you've seen it, like when you watch the selection shows, like people can't get past like the bad loss. It doesn't matter if you lose. It's like, how bad did you lose? Right. And they, they they lost pretty badly. Um, All right. Games this week, Oregon is hosting Eastern Washington. Uh, what could go wrong for uh, Oregon team with a transfer quarterback against Eastern Washington? Uh, oh, wait, that's when Vernon Adams broke his thumb in 2015. Uh, Oregon State goes on the road to Fresno State. I think that is the kind of the must-watch game of the weekend for, for people in this state. Uh, and also keep an eye on Portland State goes up to Seattle to play Washington. Again, I don't think the Huskies are necessarily at risk of losing to FCS team two years in a row, but uh bruce barnum's vikings did actually look pretty good in their uh their season opening loss to san jose state another fbs team so uh maybe 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 barney's got something going on the park blocks this year uh we'll we'll have to check in with him at some point uh anything else shane before we sign off here not much um you mentioned the the oregon state fresno state game they're 11 and a half point underdogs the beeves are um cool to see them cover i think they'll cover i don't know yeah, we're not running another podcast where the headline is "I think they can cover" because that's what uh, <laughs> that's that's what uh, that's what our headline for mine and uh, Aiden's one was on Friday, and that was the last thing up on the site before uh, forty nine to three. So. Well, well, there was that, and then my <laughs> my man of the room receiving piece about a receiver who caught two balls for thirty yards, and then complained about his playtime on on Twitter. So it wasn't the best week for yeah. coverage, but you know, you know what? It was it was a rough week one for everybody. All we can all we can do is be better tomorrow. Um, a lot of season left. We'll keep it going. Thanks for listening to Die Five Borders Track. You're listening to the I Five Corridor.